You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Look the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner, coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. We are proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Bruning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. You can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts that are associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs. Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio. You got Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. You can find all of theirs and us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Fantasy Football Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best stats in the industry, not just for the NFL and baseball, but also college football stats, which are extremely hard to find. They, they are very rare in this industry, and they have the best stats for it. Anything you see if you follow me on Twitter with all the college football stuff that I post and the Debbie stuff comes from them. They are legit. They've got basketball stats on the way as well. And for just $15 a year, you can sign up with them and get all of those stats. If you use our code roundtable, when you sign up, you will get 10% off the best deal in the industry. No doubt about it. Love their site. Love the stats. And if you are trying to become a better fantasy player and learn more about the stats part of the game and even college stuff, NFL, or if you're a baseball fan as I am, they have the best stats in the industry. Again, roundtable gets you 10% off $15. No better deal in the industry. For today's episode, Matt is back as he is always Tuesday, every Tuesday. My goodness, guys, I'm sorry. It's going to be a theme for the entire show. I can promise you that because I just cannot talk today. It has been one of those days. Uh, but he is back with me. We're going to finish recapping all of the rest of the games. Uh, my goodness, there we go. All of the rest of the rest of the games from Sunday, the Sunday night football game, Monday night football game as well, and talk about some of the breaking news that just came down uh, earlier today with a couple quarterbacks in the NFC South. South and the AFC South. Hello! What's going on, Matt? Welcome back, and thank you for joining me again today. How was uh, how was your Monday night football experience, and how's your Tuesday been so far? Uh, Tuesday's been okay. Monday night football experience uh, started slow, but uh, ended pretty well. As as you know, I have a lot of uh, shares of Amari Cooper, so that. Late touchdown on uh, helped me quite a bit. Amari Cooper scored last night. Good for him. Yep. Good for him. I'm glad that he continues to produce. Um, hoping that black hat might have a little bit of effect on his uh, his fantasy values. I need him to suck just a little bit here. He did fall a little bit in the rankings. He's down to wide receiver seven. So I just need him to drop four more spots and I'll be good to go. I'll be a very happy man. 
see here, let's see here. Um, well, really no easy way to transition to this. So obviously we talked about uh, two of the games yesterday that have big effects on quarterback news today. So we'll jump and talk about that breaking news before we jump in and talk about the rest of the games from Sunday and the Monday night football game. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. We uh, we had talked yesterday about the whole Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew um, news, I guess would be the way to put it, yesterday. The fact that uh, they're going into their bye. We thought that Gardner Minshew had not played very well. Um, you have been pretty staunch the whole time that you thought they would go back to Nick Foles. And it was announced earlier today by Coach Doug Marone that they are, in fact, when they come back in Week 11, going back to Nick Foles. Do you see that being a big change for their offense and them going back to him? You know, that's really impossible to say. We've seen Nick Foles play for the Jaguars for 11 plays, um, you know, against the Chiefs on opening day. So um, really going to be interested to see, you know, uh, Westbrook was obviously injured the week before the bye. If he comes back healthy, um, you know, it seemed like DJ Chark had something going good with Minshew. He did catch that touchdown on opening day from Foles on the play that he was injured. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the that's the big thing. What's the chemistry going to be like between Foles and some of these receivers? We don't know. We didn't have enough of a sample to get a sense of where it was uh, to start out with. But, um, you know, I think it's a good good move. We've seen Foles in the past take over in situations uh, like this where you're at the stage of the season around this record and, and make a run at the playoffs. And if they want to get that done, they, they got to do it now. Um, and no knock on Minshew, but they invested in Foles for a reason. We've seen him be successful in Philly. We were all curious to see if he could be successful somebody somewhere else. So it's going to be a good chance for him. Yeah, I mean, they will at least for, you know, get the get the bye week to try and get some chemistry in. Obviously, you can't uh, simulate NFL games and NFL game speed, but at least they get the week to practice together. I'm honestly interested to see how it works. Uh, I mean, again, it was only 11 plays, but I thought Nick Foles looked fine. Again, DJ Chark's touchdown did come on the play that Foles got hurt. I do think it might change the offense a little bit in the fact that I, Nick Foles does not have the uh, ability to extend plays the way that Minshew did. Now, I don't know if that really affects any wide receiver any which way. I imagine Leonard Fournette's still going to keep doing what he's doing. Uh, and if Chark's still the one, I really don't see it affecting anybody. Maybe D.D. Westbrook, if he comes back healthy. I know you were just talking about that. Maybe he gets a little bit of a boost uh, with the fact that, again, with with Nick Foles not being able to extend plays, maybe he just kind of dumps off to Westbrook more than we saw Minshew do because he would try and get out of the pocket, extend plays, and try and hit Chark deep. But uh, I'm with you. There's really no way for us to know right now. Unfortunately, we're not going to know until that first game in Week 11 how things might look. I would not be surprised if Foles is not a little bit rusty as well. Uh, so that might, unfortunately, be another bad game uh or Chark's first game back, I guess, off by might be a little bit bad. I think him and Fournette are really the only two big guys you're starting every single week. Like I said, I don't see Fournette being affected at all by this news. I think he's still going to continue to be fine. So Chark might be a little rough come week 11. So, I mean, but that's just something he, he's been so good so far this year. I don't think there's any way you can bench him. He's got to be in your lineup. Uh, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't see any real changes. There's no real way, way to know, unfortunately, until we see what ha- happens in week 11. Uh, the other QB news that came out, it, I don't think it changes anything, really. Cam Newton is put on IR. There was a lot of talk yesterday that this might happen. Uh, the doctors had come out and said that the the recommendation for Cam Newton was rest and relaxation, uh, and that really put no timetable on it. The Panthers finally decided to put him on IR, and so he is done for the rest of the season. It will be Kyle Allen moving forward. Uh, we we kind of talked about this yesterday and the thought that this might happen and how we didn't think that this would change uh, the offense much. It would keep being CMC. More and Samuel move to more flex plays than anything else. My biggest question for you, and I don't know if we, me and you had talked about it in the offseason, I know me and Dennis had, is that they could actually get out from Cam Newton now going into the next season I know it's a little early to kind of speculate on that, but what are your thoughts on that? Do you think we might have, uh, you know, earlier this season seen the last play of Cam Newton in Carolina? 
First of all, where do you find the doctor that recommends to your employer that you need rest and relaxation while being paid? I don't know, but if I could find out, I would move to Carolina as well, if I could make that happen. I mean, there's probably no place I wouldn't move if I could make that happen. But um, in terms of the Panthers, you know, I, I think if they continue on and make the playoffs, Christian McCaffrey looks pretty good for MVP. In terms of the long term, I know people have been impressed with Kyle Allen, and I, I don't want to take anything away. Winning is the ultimate metric uh, in all professional sports. I haven't seen anything from him though really that where you go wow you know this is a must-have guy you know maybe he's still growing into it i still wonder what that team would look like if they didn't have mccaffrey um and so when you're talking about cam newton is a guy that we've seen you know that you invested in a number one draft pick in that you've seen pull a team into the super bowl Mm -hmm. he did it a couple of years ago he is an incredibly dynamic player when he's healthy the real problem is we, you know, he, most of last year was a lost season. They left him in probably longer than they should have with that shoulder injury uh, that really led to a team. You know, we forget Carolina started really hot last year and, you know, watching them, they were the all or nothing team for Amazon this year, watching the kind of behind the scenes and, and how Newton wasn't looking and how they just fell off and sort of cratered at the end of last season until they finally pulled the plug was tough to watch this year you know you've really got nothing out of him um you kind of wonder what was going on behind the scenes if people wondered was he actually healthy going into the season you saw two games where he never looked like himself or like he was comfortable and they pull the plug and now he ends up on ir i have some questions about how they're managing his injuries how they're dealing with it I wouldn't be shocked if they moved on from him, but at the same point in time, if they are a playoff team, they aren't going to have a really super high draft pick. And are you committing to the Kyle Allen era? I I don't know about that either. So, you know, there's probably, there's probably a lot of questions. It's, it's going to be a rough couple of weeks. I think Allen has the rest of the season to really audition um and to see what how they want to build their team what options that come available to them yeah and then for newton health you know health is a big question you know could he be a guy like a peyton manning where you know to a lot of prolonged injuries the team he originally is with decides to move on he signs somewhere else and finds a big new life and and we see the cam of old and He's a guy that can be a difference maker, or is this kind of the end for him? And I, there's a lot of unknowns, and I don't think we're going to know for quite some time what the situation is going to be for Carolina or for Cam. Yeah, I mean, it would be crazy to see Cam move on. I mean, not that it would be his decision at this point. I think it would be Carolina's because uh, he's just been kind of synonymous in the face of that franchise for a long time now. Uh, but I would not be surprised. I mean, it would all, I think, as you said, kind of depend on how the rest of this season goes. I'm, I'm not trying to say that I think Kyle Allen is the answer because uh, I don't necessarily think that. I can't even think off the top of my head when's the last time in a, an undrafted quarterback came in and, and uh, lit up the league and became a, a face of the franchise guy. I mean, you got what? I think Kurt Warner. Um, who else am I? There's someone else I know that came from the CFL a long time ago in the Hall of Famer, and I cannot think of who it is now off the top of my head. And that's driving me crazy. But, I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, and I don't think Kyle Allen is that player. I, I, I'm with you on that. I just don't know. I've heard it too much to think that it's just uh, – just or, or what's the what's the whole saying? I cannot think today, man. My I, I've been out of it all day today. There, when there, where well, there's smoke, there's fire. The real, is, I guess the way I'm trying to put yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and you know, Carolina was obviously thinking about this position. A lot of people kind of raised an eyebrow in the draft when they took Will Greer, yeah, who was uh, a quarterback. But you haven't even heard anything about him. I don't know where they're at with him or whether he'd even be a good option. 
you know, I think there's just a lot of questions right now. The focus is, we know Kyle Allen's there. Hopefully Ron Rivera can change his thing to Kyle Allen's our starter, unless he gets injured instead of this, he's our starter this week or, um, and you know, we'll have to see. He's, he's had some decent games for the receivers, some not so decent games. So I think that's going to be a little up or down. Um, but you know, Carolina hasn't been terrible. Uh, and, Cam Newton, we've seen not playing healthy, isn't really a great option or really worthwhile. So it's probably the best thing for all the teams. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting when you hit February, March, April, May, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah, I was going to say at this point, I mean, it's an interesting topic to talk about. There's, It's going to be a whole offseason discussion. That That's for, for sure, because a lot of people are going to want to know what they think are going to happen to him, they're going to give their opinions on if he is going to go or if he's going to stay. So far this year, I said I don't think it affects anybody in any real way. We've talked about it yesterday. More Samuel, they just they, they moved to flex flex spots, that's all. I mean, they were probably both wide receiver twos-ish with Cam Newton. Right now their flex spots are going to have their up games and they're going to have some bad games. CMC is the only guy you can trust every single week. And we've seen it for the past, uh, really since what week three. So nothing to worry about there. Just keep playing your Panthers as you have the 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 remainder of the year or for the remainder of the year. And we'll definitely jump in to talk more about Cam at the end of the year if more news comes up. Let's jump in now and finish breaking down the rest of week nine so we can start looking forward to week ten. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. the Oakland Raiders and the Detroit Lions. The Lions losing, I guess, an interesting game here. I was not expecting them to lose this game, uh, but the Raiders pull off the win, remain right at 500, and are really continuing to be a team that might might actually make the playoffs, which is kind of uh, interesting to say, considering uh, we all really kind of shit on them all all last season and this year with some of the trades that they made. Uh, let's see, on the Lions side here, Matt Stafford, 26 of 41, 406 yards, three touchdowns, one interception to come in as QB3 with 37.34 points. J.D. McKissick scores the most points in fantasy at the running back position for them. RB15 with 16.2 points in this one, 32 yards on four carries, does get 40 yards and a touchdown on three catches. <laughs> Uh, Ty Johnson gets the most carries, 29 yards on those nine carries, uh, but does really nothing in the receiving game, just seven yards on three catches. Marvin Jones has the better day as a wide receiver, mostly because of the receptions. Uh, A touchdown, 126 yards on eight catches, wide receiver four with 26.6 points. Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 10 with 23.2 points, 132 yards on one touchdown and four receptions. So the Lions come up short. It, this this running back position has become very interesting for this team. I said when on Johnson went down, a lot of people were going out to buy Ty Johnson. I was saying to try and avoid this backfield altogether. Uh, it does seem like Marvin Jones has become kind of a flex option every single week with this running game going down. It seems to be very pass heavy. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think uh, Stafford's a good start. Galladay's a good start. Uh, Marvin Jones probably in the flex territory. Everybody else seems to be a little bit too unreliable. Yeah, I mean, if you if you had to choose one of the the running backs, are you playing McKissick just based on the receiving work that he's getting, uh, or are you trying to go with Ty Johnson because he is definitely getting more carries, but it just seems like McKissick is out there more, and and it's because he's involved in the receiving game is why I'm kind of leaning toward him. But again, if I could, I'm with you. I'd only start Jones, Galladay, and Stafford, and and avoid this backfield altogether. What would you do? Yeah, I'm just avoiding him. Uh, McKissick was better yesterday. He had one big play for a touchdown um, that kind of gave him numbers the week before. He was a complete dud. Um, And I believe they have another running back in the mix who was in there last week, too. It's just there's not enough value. It was hard enough uh, with on Johnson. We didn't see him hit the heights we were hoping for with what they're rolling out there right now and the fact their passing game is really going. 
uh, and they seem to be struggling mightily on defense. Uh, I'm just staying away from the running backs. Fair enough. On the Raiders side, Derek Carr goes 20-31, 289 yards and two touchdowns to come in as QB 12 with 28.5 points. Josh Jacobs has a good day, as we thought he would on the Friday podcast. 120 yards, 28 carries, and two touchdowns in this one to come in as RB5 with 24 points. Jalen Richard pops up in this one, probably not being started by many, if at all, but RB32 with 9.8 points. 12 yards on two rushes, but does add 56 yards on three catches. And then Hunter Renfro has a really good game. Again, 54 yards on six catches and one touchdown. Tyrell Williams, just 48 yards on three catches. And Darren Waller, 52 yards on two catches. Renfro, we talked about him last week as a guy who who had a good game, but we weren't really buying into him. Are you buying into him now? Two weeks uh, really seems to be almost in a way that you brought up the Adam Thielen uh, and Kyle Rudolph connection yesterday with Thielen being out, Rudolph getting more targets. It seems like when Renfro has these good games, Waller kind of dips. Why not a bad game, at least at the tight end position? He's still not putting up the points we saw the first uh, the first eight weeks or seven weeks, really. And I do feel like that kind of correlates to why Renfro has been doing good. Do you trust Renfro? And if you do, does that worry you about Waller? You think it's just a two-game slide, everything will be fixed in Week 11. I'm sorry, Week 10. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to make any grand pronunciations. When you have a week like Week 10 where you have six teams on a bye and a bunch of injuries, you're in a deeper league. Uh, Hunter Renfro might be a, a flex consideration, but um, I'm not taking a huge amount away from this uh, until we see it a little more consistently. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. I just wanted to see if you if you had any thoughts or if you liked Renfro. I'm not buying into it. I need to. It's going to be bad to say this because I would say I probably need to see it for like another two or three weeks. And at that point, you're in the fantasy playoffs, and I don't know if you're really trusting putting Renfro in your lineup, anyways. Uh, but I just the fact that he's only doing this now, and we're in week nine and ten. I personally am not trusting it. I'm I'm believing in what Waller has put on on paper here the past really all this season, and, and believing more in him. All right, I guess it's time to talk about uh, the game of the weekend, and that was the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns. Denver coming away with this one 24-19 on Cleveland side. Baker Mayfield, 27 of 42, 273 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions to come in at QB 13 with 25.87 points. Nick Chubb, RB 26 on the week with 13.10 points in this one. 65 yards on 20 carries, at uh, 26 yards on four catches. Jarvis Landry, the best wide receiver for them. Wide receiver 16 with 17.1 points. 51 yards on six catches and a touchdown. Odell, 87 yards on five catches to become wide receiver 27 with 13 points. And Callaway, who I thought might have a decent game here. 56 yards on four catches. All that, 41 of it coming on one catch. Uh, wide receiver 38 with 9.6 points. Uh, I really don't know what to say about the Browns anymore. Uh, I mean, everybody's been saying it and, and been memeing it all over the place. It's, it's hilarious to see... Um, if you were to go back at the beginning of the year and talk about how big everybody was on Odell coming over to Cleveland and having a competent quarterback, and even I posted it on Twitter yesterday, I kind of missed the days when Eli Manning was throwing the ball to Odell because he would get it to him. Somehow he would find a way for Odell to catch the ball. I mean, I know everybody's been talking about it. He missed Odell wide. He wasn't wide open. Chris Harris was there, but he had Harris beat on the fourth down play that he decided to force it into double coverage uh, to Jarvis Landry. No no way to say that the Browns would have won that game because that still would have left Brandon Allen, I think, over it was three minutes left on the game clock if he throws it to Odell and Odell scores on that play. So with the way that the Broncos' offense have been driving on the Browns' defense, I can't even say that the Browns would have won had he hit Odell on that play. Uh, but it's just been a very frustrating year for all of these guys. We've already talked about dropping Odell. My big concern is now I feel like Nick Chubb has been the only player that you could start every single week on this offense and feel good about it. Kareem Hunt is back this week, and we have seen Freddie Kitchens come out and say that Hunt will play a big role in this offense. I was someone, I believe you were someone as well, I could be wrong, that were saying, you, you don't worry about it, Nick Chubb is the guy, I don't see Hunt coming in and taking a big role, now you did ask about it last week and what you thought I thought might happen, I didn't think anything would happen, 
I am officially concerned now with what he said about Kareem Hunt because I feel like they're just going to try and find any which way they can to win the next couple weeks, and, and they're going to throw Hunt out there a lot. Are you now, if you own Nick Chubb, worried about the what the comments that Freddie Kitchens has made about Kareem Hunt and him coming back this week against the Bills? Sure, because Freddie Kitchens is a, has not looked good as a personnel manager. Yeah. We both commented, you uh, more vociferously on Twitter, about the usage of Dontrell Hilliard, who yeah. is a much lesser talent, uh, obviously, than what Kareem Hunt is. You saw a crucial third and four and a fourth and one. Hilliard's out there both plays and Chubb's on the sideline. So they they like Chubb, but apparently... Uh, don't like Chubb in the way that Dallas likes Ezekiel Elliott or that the Giants like Saquon Barkley. So, uh, and this team's looking for a spark. I think, you know, if they were six and two, uh, you know, Hunt comes back and, and isn't a big deal. They're two and six. There are a lot of questions. Freddie probably coaching for his job, um, rightly so at this point in time. Yeah. And it's not a great matchup against Buffalo. So, you know, I think you're going to be looking. Um, to get some things done. But the, I think the good news, if you're a Browns fan or a Browns player fantasy owner, is after this week 10, I think it gets a little bit easier. Um, so maybe we'll get to see a little bit. You know, the Browns have put up, whether or not they've been incredible record-wise, they've put up some good fantasy days against some softer defenses and softer teams and that's uh, I think what they're going to get in that back seven yeah yeah it's going to be interesting one of the things I'm looking forward to talking to you and Tony about uh we'll do some uh, award stuff on Thursday's episode but may- maybe some trade low uh, players and I actually think Odell might be a trade uh, a trade for a candidate bylaw. right now yeah I mean I was looking at his schedule and who he's played, and outside of one game, which was the New York Jets, where he did put up, obviously, point again, it all mostly came on the one play, but he has played some defenses that are really not giving up any points to wide receivers, and then after this week, he has some of the worst defenses against wide receivers the rest of the season, so he might be someone, I don't know when everybody's, for instance, a lot of my trades, uh, my trade deadlines are this week. Uh, that uh, he might be a guy that you might be able to buy low on right now that could end up being a huge factor for you in playoff uh, playoff games. It is a risk, though, with what we've seen from this offense, but, but he's a guy I think could turn it around. On the Broncos side, Brandon Allen gets his first start and gets his first win in the NFL. Uh, 12 of 20, 193 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions to come in as QB 15 with 24 points. Phillip Lindsay, RB 19 with 15.2 points in this one. 92 yards on nine carries and a touchdown. Uh, doesn't do anything in the receiving game, and, and I have to, eat, to bite the bullet on this one. I honestly wasn't even sure if Lindsey was going to play. Uh, when we recorded Friday, there was a lot of talk that he might miss time because of the wrist injury. I think we actually talked about it on Thursday, too, uh, when we previewed the game. So I thought Royce Freeman would be the guy here. But, God, man, and, and Philip Lindsey, I know he did it on purpose because – I've been touting him all since last year, before the year. I know you were one of the people who were touting him too, and then I traded him everywhere. I don't own any shares of Philip Lindsay anymore, and I, I know he that's why he went off on the Browns this week, just kind of stick it to me. Uh, Cortland Sutton has another big game here, 56 yards, five catches, and a touchdown to come in as wide receiver 15 with 17.3 points. And Noah Fant, 115 yards, one touchdown, three catches to come in as tight end three with 20.5 points. So Lindsey, I think, continues to be the baller here. He's the one that I would, I've said it from the beginning, he's got to play every single week. If you have to throw Royce in, I'd throw him as a flex starter. But Lindsey's the guy that I'm trusting for the most part. And it's good to see him kind of moving slowly back toward the lead role because it does seem like they had mixed and matched a little bit with those two. Uh, what are you thinking on Fant, though? I know that most of his yards obviously came on the one play uh, that caused a lot of controversy with Jermaine Whitehead and what he did after the game. Uh, but, the, but I mean, he, he was a great play, and he looked really good in this game. Someone we can trust moving forward, or do you think it was just a game, uh, just what happened in that game, and, and maybe not necessarily look toward him the rest of the year? Well, I think in the two games without Emmanuel Sanders, we've seen a big uptick in targets for him. Flacco targeted him quite a few times the week before, and he ended up with five receptions, only 27 yards, but still five receptions. He was the second most targeted player on Sunday, caught three of those for 115 yards and a touchdown. He seems to be um, – I had 
thought maybe Deshaun Hamilton or a Fred Brown or maybe even a Juwan Winfrey would mix in there and become that kind of number two receiver. Deshaun Hamilton's had one target in two games, uh, one that sailed out of bounds. He wasn't even targeted on Sunday. Fant seems to have settled into that uh, second receiver role. Um, so I, he could be poised for a pretty big second half. And in some ways it makes a little bit of sense. Um, Denver, their, their Jeff Hireman was actually the first string tight end technically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Brandon Allen, they said had not actually thrown passes to the ones, uh, until this last week. Fant had actually started out as the second string tight end. Um, so may actually have a little bit of chemistry with Brandon Allen. Okay. With, um, the thoughts on – I don't know if they have announced it yet. I know there was a talk, obviously, that a lock will be reinstated from the IR because Denver goes into their bye this week, correct? They have a bye in Week 10? Yes, bye in Week 10. The talk was that he would start practicing in Week 11, not that he would be pulled off the okay. IR. Uh, conventional thinking was for at least three games, like we, the one we just saw in Week 11 and 12 – the quarterback tandem would be Brandon Allen and Brett Rippon. And I think uh-huh. based on them winning and the way Allen looked, they probably aren't going to change the thinking. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I guess I, I know we talked about it a little bit beforehand, so I don't want to ju- dive too deep into it, but we were both hoping that Drew Locke would be able to at least play a couple games this season so you can get an idea of what you uh, – what you have in him, especially with as deep as this uh, QB class is. I'd love to be able to see him come out at least by week 12 if he's not coming out in week 11. Next up, we've got the Buccaneers and the Seahawks, which turned out to be a really good game. The Buccaneers losing this one 34-40. Russell Wilson continues his MVP-type season. So, on the Buccaneers' side here, Jameis Winston, 29-44, 335 yards and two touchdowns to come in at QB9 with 31.45 points. Ronald Jones already started getting a little bit more of the carries and was announced as the permanent starter, which I love to see. 67 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown. Does get you two catches on for 15 yards to come in as RB14 with 16.2 points. Mike Evans just continues to dominate here as of late. Wide receiver one, 37.5 points. 12 catches, 180 yards, and one touchdown on 16 targets, which is just ridiculous. Rashad Perriman actually makes a name for himself this week. Wide receiver 24, 14.2 points, 42 yards on four catches and touchdown. I'm sorry, Rashad Perriman. I don't know why I said Rashad. And then Chris Godwin comes in at wide receiver 25 with 13.9 points, 61 yards, seven catches. Maybe we were a little bit... Uh, quick to jump the gun there, jump the shark, as they say, and putting a Godwin as the wide receiver one as Evans has just balled out the past couple weeks. I know we've both kind of said that we think Evans and Godwin are both going to be wide receiver ones for fantasy. I don't think that changes, uh, but Evans definitely the past couple weeks has been out-targeting Godwin by a ton. Again, 16 this week for him and 9 for Godwin. Uh, I mean, is it safe to say that you're – Happy with both of them? Even if you have both of them, you're starting both every single week? Yeah, I think you're you're starting both those receivers every single week. Uh, Ronald Jones, probably low-end wide uh, running back, too. Um, and this game, you know, threw the ball 44 times, 335 yards through the air. You don't see either tight end uh, appearing yeah. even on the target sheet. So I, I think if you own O.J. Howard and you thought this was the year, it's uh, especially in redraft, you should drop him. Yeah, so I want to talk about Ronald Jones moving forward really quick. So we, we kind of mentioned it yesterday because the news came out why we were recording, uh, but we are doing uh, the, the Buccaneers today, obviously, so I want to jump in. I, I've been a staunch Ronald Jones supporter for a very long time. I, I've always said that he has the talent. Is he... Is he Saquon Barkley? Is he Darius Geis? Is he Nick Chubb? Is he Sony Michelle? No. He he that's why he was ranked behind all those guys for me and a lot of people. But I've always thought he is a talented running back. He doesn't necessarily have the best receiving skills, but he is very fast. He can be elusive. He's not the biggest guy, but he can be a very good running back. Moving forward, I think that he has a chance to be through from now till the end of the season, because I don't think obviously he's going to catch some of the other guys ahead of him. I think he has a chance to be a high upside RB2. The Cardinals next week, bad against the run. Now the Saints, that will be a tough matchup. Then he has the Falcons, Jaguars, 
Lions and Falcons, uh, the Texans and Colts in between. They're both decent defenses against the run. But the Falcons, the Jaguars, one of the teams giving up the most against the run. And then, they, again, as I said, the Falcons in Week 17. So he has a pretty good schedule moving forward. I think he has a chance to be, from this point moving forward, a high upside RB2. Um, would you, you, and you, but you said you feel like he's probably more of a middle tier to low end RB2, but you're starting him the rest of the way with, with, with the way that he's played and with this offense, correct? But yeah, I mean, they still don't have a great line and he's not very efficient. I mean, 3.7 yards per carry, uh, is not that impressive. And the, the real problem for Tampa Bay is the back end of their defense is atrocious. Uh, so they're either going to be in shootouts where they have to throw a lot or they're going to be behind and have to throw a lot. That takes a huge bite out of uh, your running game, and it seems like Dare Agunwale takes some of that passing game and passing situation work. That's how he ends up vulturing a one-yard goal line touchdown too because he's out there with that team. He caught pass. You know, you... Ronald Jones is still splitting with two other guys. Even if he's getting a lion's share, he's still splitting. And what is the Tampa Bay running back worth? It's worth more, I think, right now than the Detroit running back or some of these other teams. But it's still not very high up on the pecking order. Right. So, uh, okay, I got you. Well, I'll, I'll have a little bit more talk I want to do on him, but I'm going to save it for Thursday because it's it going to be part of the discussions uh, that I mentioned earlier. On the Seattle side here, Russell Wilson just continues his MVP season. 22 touchdowns on the year and one interception. It's just crazy. So he went 29-43, 373 yards and added five touchdowns to come in at QB1 with 56.47 points. Chris Carson uh, has a better day than I thought he would going up against this defense. Uh, while, as you mentioned, their back end of their defense is bad, their front seven is actually really good. They've only allowed an average of 68 yards or uh a game to running backs gets 105 yards on 16 carries so a pretty decent day for Carson no touchdowns uh, which is really what kind of limited here did add a couple yards in the receiving game but nothing to write home about comes in as RB 24 with 13.3 points Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf go off in this one so I hope you guys listened to Friday's pod and played both of them Tyler Lockett coming in as RB1, I'm sorry, RB1, my goodness, wide receiver one with 40.2 points, which is just ridiculous. He comes in with uh, 152 yards on 13 catches and two touchdowns. DK Metcalf, 123 yards on six receptions and one touchdown to become wide receiver three with 27 points. And then Jacob Hollister, who gets a touchdown in... Um, regular time and then overtime, or regulation time, I guess should be whether I put it or however you want to word it, I don't know. 37 yards on four catches and two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, Lockett just, it's actually really funny. I was looking at this earlier. Lockett has only scored touchdowns in the odd weeks, which I think is a little bit weird. I mean, he's been putting up points all season. He's actually a top 10 wide receiver right now, but he hasn't scored in any even week so far this season, which I find kind of funny. We talked about it last week that we thought Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both deserve to be in lineups every single week, especially with Will Disley being out. DK Metcalf might be more of a red zone target. What about Jacob Hollister? We saw how how Disley had really kind of jumped up the charts uh, with with the way that this offense is and the way Russell Wilson kind of throws to the tight end when he needs to. Seen two uh, two touchdowns out of Jacob Hollister today. Someone you're looking at, maybe not throwing in your lineup right now, but are, are you? Would you take a flyer on him and add him to your bench maybe to see if he has one or two more games before throwing him in your lineup? Yeah, and that's probably the tough part. You know, he wouldn't be a terrible guy to be a spec ad but two things working against him is they have the monday night game against san francisco so it's going to be a tougher matchup where josh gordon is expected to possibly make his debut you don't know what that's going to do to the passing game and then they have a bye and then you're around the week 12 13 area and if you're somebody that's trying to press and make the playoffs a spec start on a tight end that may or may not have value becomes a little less valuable you know if you thought Jacob Hollister was going to do something it probably would have been weeks 10 and 11 where you have a lot of buys and you're trying to make up ground where you might have to throw him in there and this wouldn't be a week that I'd be real excited to play him and then he's off week 11. Yeah that's a good point I I kind of for for some reason actually kind of forgot about the Josh Gordon thing Uh, I'm actually interested (laughs) to see what he looks like um 
Obviously, the, the, as you just said, they're playing San Francisco this week, so that's not going to be a great test for anybody. I still think Lockett and Metcalf are good, uh, good to go. But you're not throwing, in my opinion, Gordon out there uh, with this being his first week. But I actually would not be someone who owns Gordon in a couple leagues. I really feel like his trade value had hit an all-time low here with the Patriots before the injury and before he went on IR. I actually think there might be some upside here for him in Seattle. We've seen the way uh, when Russell Wilson, when he gets a little bit of chemistry with his wide receivers and he can hit you, uh, the the amount of points that you can put up, and, and I, I'm actually going to look. I was going to say I think he might be bigger than DK Metcalf. I don't know who's bigger. About, but what do you think could happen, or how good do you think Josh Gordon could be in this offense while I stall really quick and find out who's taller? I mean, that's really uh, the question. Um, you know, and how much of the offense will he have been able to absorb in this uh, short amount of time? I don't think that, you know, I don't know a ton about how the Seahawks offense relates to the Patriots offense. Uh, they, they don't look super similar. Um, so, you know, talking about learning a new system, learning new chemistry, learning a new team, going into a new situation. I, I, I don't think you can start him in week 10. Then he has a bye week might be depending on what we kind of see uh, in week 10 and how that offense looks and, and where they go with targets. Maybe you're more excited about week 12, but again, we're at the point of the season where you're either completely out of it and, you know, you can throw pasta against the wall and see what sticks. You're trying to make a playoff run or you're trying to protect a, a seed. Yeah. And are those the times where you're taking gambles, especially by the time we hit week 12, there are a couple of teams still on a buy, but that's the last week for buys. So then it's really about injuries and putting your best foot forward. Um, you know, like in a couple of leagues where I've, I've, my teams have all gone through buys. I was looking at, I have a better team, you know, a, more potential on my bench than I do than some teams do starting. If you're in that situation, you're not playing Gordon. If you're desperate, maybe you are. It just, this, this is not the prime time in your fantasy season where you really want to take risks and monkey around and see what's going to happen unless you just have no other choice. Yeah, I, I would wait to see what he does, but uh, I, I would not. It's not like someone I would plug in unless you absolutely have to. Again, we're coming up to some weeks with a, a ton of teams on by, and I'm with you. I've I've kind of lucked out in the fact that a lot of my players or most of my players on a lot of my teams have already had their bye weeks. So, uh, and a couple of my bigger teams, I am in the same way. I'm looking at all right. I actually have almost all my players available, where some teams don't. Uh, just to reference, DK Metcalf is six four two twenty nine, and Josh Gordon. is is 6'3", 225, so he is just a smidge taller than him. Moving on. Well, and see, that's the thing. Like, if you were going to experiment or have a desperation, it would be this week where you don't know what you're getting from Gordon and you don't know what his role on the team and they don't have a great matchup, or next week when they're actually one of the teams on a bye because you have 10 teams that are on a bye between this week and next week. Yeah. And then by the time, and some, some big name and big offenses, one of which is Seattle, then by the time you hit week 12, uh, you have four teams, Kansas City, Minnesota, Arizona, Los Angeles, Chargers. So, you know, maybe depending on what you saw with Josh Gordon and what you think he can do during the bye week, you know, maybe you're taking a shot in week 12 because Kansas City and Minnesota wiped out your wide receiver options. But other than that, you know, it, we're just in a tough part of the season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I would. I wouldn't be surprised. That's something we can definitely talk about more in week twelve. Uh, we obviously it's going to be hard too to determine how high because I don't think he's going to look that good against San Francisco this week. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we did see them get beat up a little bit by Arizona, which I don't think any of us were expecting. Uh, so maybe he goes out there and has himself a good game. But I feel like it will be a little bit hard to read too much into his production. Uh, this week against San Francisco, and then if you do throw him out in Week 12, I do feel it's going to be kind of like a, a Hail Mary play. But we could be wrong. It'll be definitely something to look at and watch and, and talk about here uh, once Seattle comes off their bye week in Week 11. Uh, let's see here. Next up, the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Green Bay having a weird game here, losing 11-26. So Aaron Rodgers, 23-35, 161, and one touchdown to come in at QB 22 with 20.6 points. 
Uh, Jamal Williams has the better day at running back. Comes in at RB12 with 16.9 points in this one. Just 10 yards on two carries, but gets 39 yards on six catches and a touchdown. Aaron Jones, RB45 with 3.9 points. Gets one catch for negative one yard. And then 30 yards on eight carries. Uh, Devontae Adams, first game back, gets targeted by far more than anybody else, but isn't able to do much with him. Just seven catches for 41 yards on 11 targets. So A.A. Ron struggled a little bit in this one. It's great to see Adams back. We've talked about it a couple times. He's the only wide receiver I am have any interest whatsoever in playing in this offense. But what about Jones and Williams? I feel like we've been talking about this every single week. And for the most part, Aaron Jones has been the better running back. And even when Jamal Williams has been out there, they've both been playable. This is really one of the first games where it's been clear Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones kind of taking a back seat. Think it was game script or just kind of the way the game went? Are you worried about Aaron Jones at all moving forward? No, I mean, I wouldn't uh, say it was clear Jamal Williams. Jones had eight carries to two for Williams. Jones had four targets to six for Jamal Williams. Williams just was able to catch all of his. Jones not able to do much with his. I think going forward, it was a bad game. Aaron Rodgers said it'll be a wake-up call for the team. Maybe he came in uh, believing in themselves a little too much, believing in their hype a little too much, and the Chargers had been abominable in Los Angeles. Um, they had had no home field advantage. They had gotten rolled a couple of times at home so i think it was just a wake-up call for them going forward rogers i think you're still playing jones and williams i like playing them both uh jones i think is more of an rb2 with the, the potential to just absolutely explode which we've seen a couple times mm-hmm. williams feels a little bit more like a flex play and then Devonte adams and that's it for me too all right yeah i agree with you i just wanted to see if, if you thought maybe he was my uh uh, I can't remember how we, we worded it, but my guy to fall, I believe. I thought he'd fall off that. Uh, he was RB5 or 3 when we did our talk on this, a guy who could bounce up and a guy who could fall down. I thought Aaron Jones would fall more toward that RB2 uh, range the rest of the season. Could happen, but he has been phenomenal, and, and I'm with you. I think Jamal Williams still a still a flex play every single week, and Aaron Jones, if you own him, you're not you should not be worried about him just based on the one game. For the Chargers side, Phillip Rivers, 21-28, 294 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, coming at QB 25 with 17 points. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 20 carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns, adds three catches for 29 yards to come in at RB3 with 25.9 points. Austin Eckler, RB25 with 13 points, 70 yards on 12 carries, but does get you 23 yards on four catches. Then you've got uh, Mike Williams, the better, best wide receiver on the day, 111 yards on three catches. Wide receiver 23 with 14.3 points. And then Hunter Henry, 84 yards, seven catches, tied in seven with 15.4 points. Keaton Allen, just 40 yards on three catches. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on Friday. I thought that Gordon would be the guy moving forward. I thought he'd have a good game against this Packers defense, which we know for the most part has given up a lot of points to the running back. Still said you could play Austin Eckler, and he has been. He's been involved in the offense. While Melvin Gordon got eight more carries than him, I mean, Austin Eckler actually outproduced him outside of the touchdowns. 5.8 yards a carry to Melvin Gordon's four. Uh, they both got the same amount of targets. Uh, Gordon got just a little bit more yards on one less catch, but both got four. Uh, the, so I think you're fine playing both of them. If you've got Mike Williams, he's still, I think, a low-end wide receiver, too, for you. Hunter Henry's been an absolute stud. What are you doing with Keenan Allen? I've seen a lot of people say sell high. If he even is considered high, I would imagine you're probably getting... 50 cents on the dollar for him at this point because he's not been good. Some people have added him into the category that I talked about with Odell earlier in a buy low candidate for a playoff run. What are your thoughts on Allen? Yeah, I don't think I'd be trying to sell him because you're not going to get the value. Um, you know, it feels like he's kind of at his lowest value point of the season. <clears throat> I, you know, I think you're still, you're still playing him. Um, I still think he's the better wide receiver. Mike Williams only had four targets, catches three of them for 111 yards. It was also the first time he's had a 100-yard game as a pro. So, you know, make of that what you will. He had a 56-yard grab. He had a couple of long bombs. He seems like kind of the long bomb guy. What really seems to have impacted Allen is the return of Hunter Henry, who, you know, gets 10 targets, catches seven for 84 there may just be a, a situation where they have five fantasy relevant players mm-hmm. who are all going to eat into each other's production. They're trying to support two running backs who, who 
both been involved both as runners and pass catchers in Gordon and Eckler. You have Hunter Henry kind of really coming on, getting to the point about where we had hoped he would start to develop a couple of years ago, battled those injuries. You have Williams, kind of the home run guy, and then Keenan Allen, who's probably just drawing some some fierce coverage. You know, and Green Bay's back end is improved. Uh, yeah. They were seemingly making a point to not let Allen beat them, and it was other guys that stepped up. And, you know, I think we've seen that a little bit with DeAndre Hopkins and his offense. Sometimes it happens to these guys. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I guess, interesting to see where the rest of the season goes for him. I, I would not disagree with you on what you said about Hunter Henry. He does seem to be the guy that uh, Rivers goes to more often. And uh, I guess if you're a Hunter Henry owner, that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, let's see here. Sunday night football. The New England Patriots uh, get knocked off here, fall to 8-1, and one, losing to the Baltimore Ravens 20-37. to 37. On the Patriots side here, Tom Brady, 30-46, 285 yards, one touchdown, one interception to come in at QB 20 with 22.9 points. James White, nine carries, 38 yards, and one touchdown, adds 46 yards on two catches to come in at RB 13 with 16.4 points. Sony Michelle does nothing in this game. Just 18 yards on four carries and one catch for 12 yards to come in as RB 43 with four points. Muhammad Sanu, 10 catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Julian Edelman, 10 catches, 89 yards. Sanu, wide receiver, 8 with 24 points. And then Edelman, wide receiver, 18 with 16.9 points. We see Philip Dorsett kind of limited in this one with just two catches on 13 yards. Uh, I really feel like this has kind of shown us what Sony Michelle is going to be moving forward as someone who owns him. Whenever the Patriots are up, Sony Michelle is getting the ball. When he is not, I feel like he is not viable at all. So you have really, I think, yeah. got to play matchups in this with Sony Michelle moving forward. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it certainly seems to be the case. You know, I was also kind of interested seeing Mohamed Sanu. We wondered, yeah. you know, they valued him, obviously, dealing a second-round pick for him. 14 targets to lead the team. Um, seems like he fits in. Maybe there was something they saw in there that they thought he'd be a great fit, better fit than Josh Gordon, which surprises all of us. Um, but, you know, it seems like he and Edelman are both going to be relevant going forward as well. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. So you would put now the higher – I mean, Edelman's still got to be the number one guy, but Sanu you think has now jumped Dorsett as the number two for them? Yeah, I mean – 14 targets to four uh, yeah. feels like more than we're just trying to get a guy going. Um, it seems like they see something in him. And obviously they're one of the teams rolling into a bye this week. You figure he's only going to get more comfortable. This yeah. is what he's doing with only a couple weeks of working with Brady. Now they're going to have a bye week coming out. Uh, and I think the Patriots are going to come out uh, angry and hungry. They looked like a an old, slow team at times on Sunday night, which was something that we haven't seen a lot this season and something I think that maybe it was the kind of kick in the pants they needed the same way the Packers talked about losing, being a kick in the pants to right. say, hey, you know, it's not just going to be handed to you. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots always seem to have that one game every year where they just come out and they get, I don't want to say the door is blown off because they didn't they didn't get destroyed by Baltimore. I don't think, uh, I mean, it was kind of a, a Baltimore looked like they were pulling away with it, then New England kind of got back into it, then some turnovers, Baltimore takes a lead. Uh, so, but, but New England always has one of these games every single year where they get beat and then it just kind of galvanizes them and they move on and end up winning the Super Bowl again. So that's probably what's going to happen here, especially them rolling into their bye week. You know Bill Belichick's going to get this team going and use all of that uh, as motivation moving into Week 11 when they come back. On Baltimore's side, Lamar Jackson, 17-23, 163 yards and a touchdown, adds 61 yards on the ground with two touchdowns and coming as QB5 with 34.87 points. Mark Ingram has a pretty good day on the ground as well, 115 yards on 15 carries to come in as RB20 with 14.4 points. Marquise Hollywood Brown uh, gets you three catches for 48 yards to come in as wide receiver 50 with 7.8 points. Uh, and that was really it. That was all uh, fantasy relevant. I mean, I know Nick Boyle scored a, scored a touchdown, but doubt anybody was playing him. Uh, moving forward with Baltimore, I guess I'm going to ask you, for me, it's Lamar Ingram and Andrews, and that's it. I know Hollywood Brown is one of those guys who can score on every single play. 
but I just don't think it's going to happen often enough. I, I would say at best he's a low-end flex play, and I would say that's more if you're in a deep league starting two flexes or three wide receivers or something like that where I'd be willing to throw him in. In any kind of regular league where you're just playing the two wide receivers and one flex, I don't see him breaking my lineup that often. What about you for Baltimore in this offense? Yeah, I think Jackson, um, and you're still – Starting uh, Andrews, it was a little yeah. bit of a disappointment oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, the way they went to other uh, tight ends. Marquise Brown is maybe a guy you're looking at when you're going through a bipocalypse um, as an option to throw out there. But three for 48, only four targets. They're not a high-volume passing offense. Mark Ingram is somebody, you know, we have talked about this a few times. The concern with him was he's they're using a lot of um, – different players yeah and also is he going to get vultured and you saw him get vultured three times he had a pretty fantastic game running for 115 yards on 15 carries 7.7 yards per carry jackson gets two touchdowns then gus bus comes in and vultures a touchdown and you see the team run 41 times 16 went to jackson 10 went to edwards and hill he's just not you know you need him to get a touchdown to make your day. Yep. Otherwise, he's kind of a flex range, you know, which is what you got there because he doesn't seem to be much of a passing game factor. Yeah, yeah. I would say if you're a Mark Ingram owner, you're probably pissed watching that game. I know he had the, I think it was the 53-yard touch or not touchdown, the 53-yard run that got him into the red zone, uh, and then it looked like he came off for a breather and Gus Edwards goes in and gets a touchdown. And he's like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. Like Mark Ingram gets him all the way down there, and then the Gus bus there, or I, I don't know, I know some people that like calling him that, uh, comes in and gets the touchdown. It's got to be overly frustrating. But I'm with you. I just don't see... He's what I would say he's a consistent middle tier RB2 unless he gets you that touchdown. He's a guy that I feel safe starting every week because he has just looked really good running the ball and you know he's going to get the volume, but unless he gets you that touchdown, he's not going to give you that high upside. He's got a safe floor and a high ceiling, but you obviously need the touchdown to hit that high ceiling. Let's see. I mean, I would say safely you'd have to classify him more as an RB3 because he's okay. had several weeks where he gets 50 or 60 yards rushing because Either Jackson's running a lot, they're behind, or or they end up having to throw more. So, you know, he when you get that, he's been consistently in that 12 to maybe 20 carries range. Yeah. Sometimes that is 100 yards. Sometimes that's 60 yards. If you get 60 yards and no touchdown, that's not RB2. That's, you know, True. barely a flex. That's like a six-point day. Yeah, that is true. The touchdown is what's going to save him every single week, if he can get that touchdown. Let's see. The Monday night football game, which uh, was a game for the most part. Um, final score is a little bit, um, uh, a little not necessarily the way that the game turned out. Is God, I cannot talk today. Dallas 37, yeah. New York 18. On Dallas' side, Dak Prescott 22 of 35, 257 yards, three touchdowns, one interception to come in at QB6 with 32.9 points. Zeke Elliott, a little bit of a, uh, I mean, really has a good day, but kind of the, the touchdowns, much like Mark Ingram, is what I think hurt him here. 139 yards on 23 carries, come in as RB23 with 13.9 points. Does really nothing in the receiving game whatsoever, which is a little bit of a, a shy away from what we've seen the past couple weeks with him. Amari Cooper, uh, touchdown, I think, kind of saves his day here outside of that four catches for 80 yards. Does come in as wide receiver 13 with 18 points. Michael Gallup, wide receiver 32 with 11.3 points. 33 yards on two catches and one touchdown. Jason Witten tied in eight with 13.8 points. 58 yards on eight catches. So Zeke struggles. Cooper and Gallup come through. But I'm honestly a little bit worried about the schedule moving forward for them. A lot of people are counting on Zeke as myself. A lot of people counting on Cooper as you are. They have a very tough schedule moving forward. I could, in all honesty, see the Cowboys going one in three in their next four games. Do you think, especially with some of these secondaries that they're going to face here moving forward, Minnesota's not great. You can probably still put some points up against them. The Lions, same thing. I do think Darius Slay will be on Cooper. But then the Patriots, Bills, Bears, Rams, all very good secondaries after that. Does that worry you at all about Amari Cooper? Do you think just with the volume and really the touchdowns that he's been getting this year, he's still a wide receiver one moving through and into the playoffs? 
Yeah, probably low end. Um, you know, it was a, it was kind of a disappointing game. It's like they were a little sluggish coming out of the bye, what you talked yeah. about. They had a 21-point fourth quarter where uh, it makes this game look a lot more impressive than it was. Uh, you know, Dallas was trailing most of the first half, which was shocking. Um you know, because a lot of people going into this were predicting like a 35-17 Dallas is going to roll, and you end up getting that at the end, but in a way you you just wouldn't have expected. Um, It's interesting, too, Elliot, we saw Randall Cobb back. He had missed a few games with Gallup and Cooper, and it seemed like Cobb and Witten were the ones getting a lot of underneath targets, which takes away Elliot's presence in the passing game. You know, they're a better team than they were at times last year where Ezekiel Elliott was all they had and they were going, you know, a little bit like Christian McCaffrey, Mm -hmm. you know, they were just going to him for everything. They're a little bit better of a team that makes them a little bit tougher for fantasy. And like you said, that schedule to end the regular season and the start of the fantasy playoffs is no joke. So a lot of people that were riding Dallas early, um, you know, in a couple of teams where I have Dak, I have either a Matt Stafford or a Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Definitely playing them as yeah. you hit week 12 to 14, probably over a Dak Prescott. And, you know, Amari Cooper, you know, all it takes is one big play. I mean, that's essentially last night he had a huge one, 45-yard touchdown, and kind of puts you over the top. But there's some danger in there. You know, I think when you hit a team like the Patriots or maybe even the Bills, yeah, a guy like Gallup, who is maybe in, a, in flex range for you, you you probably try to rotate out. Yeah, I would say, um, obviously, if you can make it through that stretch and you make it to week 16, you're going to be loving life because Cooper gets to go up against that very weak Eagles secondary. So you've got a great matchup in, in the finals in week 16. But it is going to be tough road moving forward. As someone who, again, I've never – I always like to play the – the heel here against Amari Cooper and say, I've always thought he is very talented. I just always say that I think he's closer to a wide receiver 12 to 15 than a top end wide receiver. And that seems to upset a lot of people. Um, I just do worry again, outside that touchdown, he doesn't do much here. And, and that is kind of Cooper's thing. You could say that a lot, a lot about, about a lot of wide receivers. My goodness, you just cannot talk. Uh, but I, I am a little bit worried about him during the stretch. Like I said, I could see him doing something again, Detroit, I would imagine Slay's on him, but Slay's been beatable this year, so there's nothing, uh, you know, there's no way to yeah. say that he wouldn't. I don't think there's any way you're pulling Cooper out regardless, unless you do have Gallup, as you were just mentioning, because he's been so good. And as you mentioned, it just takes that one play, but I would lower expectations a little bit for him moving forward, because it is a tough schedule for the Cowboys overall moving forward through the next couple weeks. Well, and how much is their line going to get pressured? Because you saw both Witten and Cobb out target. Cooper and Gallup, you know, and I think those are short intermediate routes. Is that because they're facing pressure and they got to get the ball out quick? Um, So those are going to be some things to watch against better defensive fronts as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. On the giant side here, Daniel Jones, uh, continues to to pass the ball out like it's candy. I guess uh, when he saw the black cat run out there, he thought it was still Halloween and was trying to give the defense all kinds of treats in this one. 26-41, one touchdown, one interception, a couple fumbles. Comes in at QB 23 with 20.3 points. Saquon Barkley, 28 yards on 14 carries. That is just abysmal. 67 yards on six catches to kind of salvage your day a little bit. RB17 with 15.5 points. Golden Tate, wide receiver 30 with 11.8 points. Just 42 yards on six catches. Evan Ingram, 48 yards on six catches to come in as tight end 14 with 11 points. I did forget to mention that Daniel Jones did add 54 yards on six carries. Barkley and Ingram it for you moving forward with the Giants? Because, I, I mean, I know Tate's had a couple good games here, but I, I would say he's low-end flex territory for me. I think Barkley and Ingram, and even them, I'm, I'm kind of worried that they're not going to give you what they did the past couple years with Manning. Yeah, and I think Daniel Jones can be a decent streaming tight end depending on where you're at and where you're at with buys, especially as we look at these two quarterback or super flex leagues with a lot of buys coming up. Um, you know, I was impressed to see the rushing. The big drawback with him, with all young quarterbacks, seems to be the turnovers. Um, you know, he can hit the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I think for Golden Tate, 
Um, we really need to monitor Sterling Shepard. Shepard had yeah. come out of the concussion protocol, went back in. There's some talk now that he may be looking at being done for the season or for the career that this concussion thing may uh, have bit him, which would be just some very disheartening and terrible yeah. news for him as a player. But I think that is going to have a big impact on Tate. He's been clearly the best receiver and has been a very usable, uh, at least high end flex, maybe wide receiver three um, when they have not had those guys in, uh, you know, have not had a shepherd in there. Um, when Shepard, if Shepard comes back, you know, how much does that impact it? It The Giants offense, too, week to week with turnovers and inefficiencies and growing pains. Obviously, they still have some line issues. Um, even Saquon Barkley has looked much more uh, mortal this season than he did when he looked a little superhuman at yeah. times as a rookie. So I think you're just going to have to moderate expectations uh, and look at matchups and schedule for them. Yeah, as someone who owns Saquon Barkley in a couple leagues, I've not been thrilled with what I've seen. I'm hoping it's just more the ankle injury and he he's going to bounce back. I mean, they did bring Zeitler over from the Browns, and a lot of people had hoped that that would help improve that offensive line. I'm trying to remember who else. It was a Solder they brought over last year. Uh, maybe help Barkley out a little bit, but he he hasn't looked great. It's it's been a little bit concerning. Uh, well, Matt, and if you're so, if you're a Giants fan, things that that may look up, you're looking at the schedule. They're at the Jets, which is essentially a home game since they yeah. share a stadium. So, and uh, a winnable and game. The Jets also have been beatable. Then you got at the Bears, probably a little bit of a tougher game, especially for a younger quarterback. Home for the Packers, probably a tougher game against the Eagles. You'd figure better for passing, and then they get Dolphins, Redskins. So the last four are Eagles, Dolphins, Redskins, Eagles. So you may actually see when Barkley and Ingram and Daniel Jones are hitting the fantasy playoffs that they're more appealing than they will be in this short run up to the playoffs. Yeah, I think the one thing uh, that worries me about a couple of those, as you mentioned, the Eagles, they've been so good against the run. But Barkley does get a lot of work in the receiving game, so maybe as as he did in this one, he can salvage a day there. But definitely some better matchups. out. I mean, even the the Packers one is great for Barkley, obviously. Bears not so much, but Jets really good one. So really only one bad matchup moving forward outside of the Eagles one. Uh, So, yeah, definitely could be better times for them moving forward, uh, a chance to kind of get your team going a little bit moving into next year. All right, well, that that does it. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and your Wednesday, and I look forward to talking to you and Tony on Thursday. Sounds good. Have a good night. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play?